Good morning. This is Pastor John, just reading the Word. Uh, yesterday, we did Ephesians chapter 1, and for some reason, I'm having a hard time with this app, and it came out as Colossians chapter 3. I checked it, and indeed, that's what happened. I either over recorded over something, or I don't know what I did, but we're going to go with Ephesians chapter 2 today. Father, I want to thank you for your word, that as we read your word, we begin to receive enlightenment from your Holy Spirit. I pray today, uh, an absolutely beautiful day again. Uh, we are so blessed. Um, and it does not have anything to do with this virus. We have victory over all things in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. Another great uh, piece of a letter that Paul wrote from the prison to the Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sin. When we read in the word about death, most often it is spiritual death. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world, the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So this letter is written to believers. So he's speaking to us through this and that by, by our very nature, we are sinners. Chapter two of Ephesians verse four. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Um, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Let's pay attention to this. Let's pay attention to something here. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Now, when Christ died on the cross, his blood was shed for our sin. And that's fine. Because in the Old Testament, it took blood uh, to be shed for sin. Christ shed his blood for our sin. But it wasn't until his resurrection that we had the promise of eternal life. Because no sin sacrifice up to this one ever promised eternal life. In fact, it just covered uh, the dirt in our lives. But with Christ dying on the cross, his blood as a perfect man who was tempted in all ways but never sinned, he died on the cross and went into hell, into that place. And he battled with Satan and he defeated Satan and took the keys of death and hell and resurrected. And upon his resurrection was the promise that we also will and can and will resurrect. I think it's really important 
probably a whole lot more to say about that than uh, is afforded at this time. So God can point to us in all future ages. Paul is saying, he's, he's prophesying that God can point to what happened here, what we read in the Ephesians, to all future generations, that is all the way to us, our children, our grandchildren, and the generations to come. I think that's such an awesome prophetic point. Verse seven, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Very conditional. Your salvation through grace is contingent upon you believing it. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Are we doing those good things? Are we following the word of God? Are we sharing the gospel with those around us? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. He did this by ending the system of law and its commandments and regulations. How did he bring us together as one people? Verse 15, he did this by ending the system of law and its commandments and regulations. He made peace between the Jew and the Gentile by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. I want you to check this out. His differentiation between Jew and Gentile covered all races, all creeds, all people, people of color. He did this on the stage of two peoples, the Jewish peoples and the Gentile peoples. So this is a place where we should recognize even racism and, and bigotry does not belong in the body of Christ. Verse 17, 
He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by the Spirit. Amen and amen to a great uh, piece of Ephesians. What a great word that is and was. And Father, we thank you for your amazing word that is revelatory and true and transformational. God is so good. Father, I thank you for the blessings you've brought to us. I thank you for the things that you've done in our past. I rejoice in this, Lord, and I walk in your peace. Regardless of the circumstances around us, our faith and God's faithfulness gives us peace and provision. Watch it happen in your life. Wait for it. I pray, Father, for our first responders. I pray, Father, for all of our medical community. I continue to pray for Redwood Springs here in Visalia, California. I pray, O oh Lord, that the truth will come out as to the impact of this virus. I pray, Father God, that your truth will reign and we fear not because you hold all aspects of the government in the palm of your hand. It's not that we blame you, Lord. It's that we thank you in advance for the things that you have planned for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you again. And I look forward to speaking again, just reading the word. God bless you. Bye.